Industrial Talk is brought to you by Palo Alto Networks. You've heard me talk about my friends at Palo Alto Networks. Zero Trust OT Security, delivering a comprehensive security solution for all OT assets, networks, and remote operations. But did you know that the Palo Alto Network solution provides over 1,100 app IDs for OT protocols, over 500 profiles for critical OT assets, and over 650 OT-specific threat signatures. Now that's best-in-class security delivered. Learn more about Palo Alto Network's zero-trust OT security solutions and how you can achieve 351% ROI over five years. Learn more about the Palo Alto Network solution by going out to paloaltonetworks.com. That's paloaltonetworks.com. Welcome to the Industrial Talk Podcast with Scott McKenzie. Scott is a passionate industry professional dedicated to transferring cutting-edge, industry-focused innovations and trends while highlighting the men and women who keep the world moving. So put on your hard hat, grab your work boots, and let's go. Hi there, and welcome to Industrial Talk. Thank you very much for joining the number one industrial-related podcast in the universe that celebrates industry professionals all around the world. You're bold, you're brave, you dare greatly, you innovate, you collaborate, you solve problems. That's why we celebrate you on this platform, Industrial Talk. Now, in this conversation, we're talking robotics. We're talking how to apply them in industry with a gentleman by the name of Perrin Olson. He's with Rex.com, R-E-X.com. And uh, got to tell you, man. It's exciting times. It's exciting times to be able to discuss robots. Let's get going. I I enjoy innovation. And I enjoy companies leading the way. And I enjoy the fact that they're solving problems that uh, need to be solved. And uh, it's exciting. It's exciting times. All right. Industrial Talk is here for you. It is a platform that is dedicated to industrial professionals. That's why I say it every time. We have education. We have collaboration. It is an ecosystem that is dynamic, and you need to be a part of it. You need to amplify your voice. That's why I'm inviting you to go out to industrialtalk.com and clicking on get in contact with me and ask me questions and be a part of the ecosystem. It's all there. Again, podcasts, webcasts, learning management system, it's all elevating the conversation around industry. That's why Industrial Talk is here. So we're going to be at an event, and it's going to be PowerGen, and then in February we're going to be at Distributech. If you're going to be at those events... You just got to look me up. We have Booth, and uh, we will be broadcasting on-site, which is always an exciting time, and enjoy those conversations. So we're going to be focused in on energy for the next well, couple of months, but we always, we're always into energy because I'm a former transmission journeyman lineman. That's, I'm always passionate about that. Now, don't ask me to climb towers today. No, oh, oh boy. Uh, no. I, I, I'll, I'll cry. That's what I would do. All right, let's get on with the conversation. Perrin, that's P-E-R-R-Y-N, Olson. Rex.com. Robotics is the conversation, so enjoy. 
Perrin, welcome to Industrial Talk. Thank you very much for finding time in your busy schedule. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Great to have you. Ah, excellent, man. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Now, listeners, we're going to be talking a little bit about robots. And you're saying to yourself, Scott, that interests me because it should interest you because it's robots. It is the way of the future. It's happening whether you like it or not. And, and Perrin brings a wealth of knowledge to this particular conversation, and we're going to be defining some of the use cases that are associated with uh, using robots, the solutions, addressing pain, all of that stuff. And and ironically, as I look at his form, be human in the robot <laughs> conversation. There. Yeah. Before we get into that chat, um, Perrin, give us a little background on who you are. Uh, so I'm based in New Orleans, not too far from you. And... Not too far from me. <laughs> I uh, actually started my career as a graphic designer, moved into marketing strategy and built a niche in construction marketing. Been doing that for almost 20 years. And then the company I work with, Rex, is Rex Construction, Rex Engineering, and we had Rex Technology, three uh, small, very diverse companies. Uh, we went out and actually acquired SuperDroid Robots last year. So always been a very much a fanboy of construction tech um, and all things technology and robots. And now... I'm chief marketing officer for Superdoid Robots. So why did Rex decide that I need to purchase Superdroid? So the vision of Steve Newecki, our CEO and owner, is to make the AEC, the architect engineering construction industry, safer and more efficient. He's, he's a structural engineer by trade, very much a technologist by passion. And one of the things that really excited me about coming to work with him is just building out this vision of making a safer industry. Uh, and part of that is software, and a lot of people play the software game, but we really see it's construction, you know, industrial, things like that. There, there's a lot of manual labor. We see there's a hardware component to this, and so we went and acquired Superdroid. Actually, I in it for a while. Um, it's not about time. The founders had the company for 21 years, which is kind of unheard of in robot world. That's for like the ancient grandpas and sort of robots. Uh, they're ready to retire, and it was a good opportunity for us and got a great team. They built it up to a, about a 20 person company, but still kind of ran it like very much a mom and pop shop. Um, so our goal was really to come in and define the robots a little more, build out some processes and things like that and, and grow and scale. So for the listeners, let's, let's define what the robot is, because when I say super droid, I think of yeah. flying, you know, I think of yeah. the droids to uh, help the listener understand what we're talking about. Um, well, I'll give you a quick, a quick origin story of SuperDroid. So uh, SuperDroid, they actually got started by using the royalties and the licensing fees from becoming runner-up on season two of BattleBots, if you remember the Atomic Wedgie. That oh, was yeah. our founder's oh, robot. Um, so they used all that to start the company out of the garage and then grew from there. So, you know, I think ground robots is when you start thinking BattleBots. That might help ground you a little bit. But huh. we have a, a variety of robots, um, actually a few hundred we've developed over the years, uh, Anywhere from a small crawl space robot for like home inspectors, plumbers, pest control to go under a house and safely inspect the crawl space, up to police robots that SWAT teams, bomb units use, uh, and a lot of different things in between. So most of our robots have three to six wheels or tracks. Uh, and we don't, we actually don't do the flying robots, but we are actually in development for a two-legged or no biped humanoid, and then a quadruped. So that'll all be out next year. No way, really. You guys are developing yeah. that as we speak. Yes, we are. So that's been exciting. Um, changing who we compete with, too. You know, that's the interesting as we go after some of the bigger opportunities. And as we looked at standardizing 
our robots and kind of building out our core platforms to the platforms that we found that were missing for more applications was the humanoid and the, the quadruped, the, the dog, a lot of people call it. So, yeah. And, and uh, on your form, you talk a little bit about uh, from an industrial perspective and yeah. being able to use the droids in a way that allows uh, inspection of equipment yeah. without having me human guy go in there and do it. It's sort of that just by virtue of that makes it safer. Well, if you think about it, our work environment is built for humans. So robots, therefore, have to be human-like to be able to work in. So something as simple as looking at a gauge that's five, six foot off the ground. You know, most robots can't do that. Uh, you can't fly a drone around an oil refinery, generally, because it's not safe. Uh, so it's if we could have a robot go into those you know, dangerous areas or even just do the, the mundane task, you got to go check 30 different gauges every day on the hour. Have a robot go do that instead of have a human. Um, or we have some robots that are in like nuclear facilities and they're essentially permanently hot. They don't come out. So it's they go in the wall, they drive around, they're remotely operated, and they never come out because they're now nuclear or radioactive. So, so does the droid uh, I heard you say manual or remotely operated? So you got the yeah. the individual with the joystick or whatever the tool yeah. is, is and and working it. Do you do you have programmable? solutions yeah so the kind of the three words we have remote control or sometimes people call it telepresence or telerobotic where you could you know like work virtually essentially um you have your programmable that you can teach it how to do things and you have autonomous that has an autonomous has very different levels from it can do a simple task up to working as more of a co-robot where people work collaborative with them up to like an autonomous car that has to do everything independently so there's Lots of different levels. Most of us we do are anywhere from the remote control or telerobotic. Uh, we do have some autonomous ones in the past. A lot of our autonomous robots were what we call autonomous ready, where they were going to be handed to like a university or a, a large company that had a robotics team that they didn't want to build the hardware and they would do all the software side. And what we're doing now is more end solutions. So one of their newest robots is called the Groundhog. It's made for construction. They could do 360 reality capture or across the job site because they're now being tasked not just to do that once in a while but generally do it weekly it's called progress monitoring oh, their, yeah, owner, yeah. their their owners are now requiring it in many cases it's a task it's really fun for the first week and after the second week it's really boring it's essentially walking a job site with a tripod and it takes a few hours of just every four feet you take a 360 photo so it's something we can easily replace with a robot so what's the pushback what are, what are we talking about what I mean, this is from my yeah. perspective. It's still relatively new, still yeah. untapped. I, I'm, you know, I, me, I, if I'm a, if I'm a company or a manufacturer or some sort of industry, I have a way of doing my thing, and I've sort of yeah. created that. Um, explain to the listeners what 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 are the challenges out there. I think the biggest challenge with robots is you, you kind of have this wide breadth of potential customers. You have your customers that are very sophisticated and know they have robots. They just want better robots. And it's not like buying a car. They want a better car with more features, you know, more diversity. Um, and then you have the other end of things that people never seen a car. And, you know, they've never seen a robot in their workplace. And it's amazing. We, we can have a sales call with somebody and they're just in it and they're talking nuts and bolts and features and what's on the horizon. And the very next call, they're like, my industry doesn't use robots. I'm like, you should talk to the guy we just talked to five minutes ago. Like, it just, there's such a gap. Um, when we got the Super Droid, the kind of the assumption was a lot of the police departments that we were selling to, we were selling in their first robot. And what we found out very quickly was, no, we weren't. We just didn't hook a job doing sales before. 
And we were actually sometimes people's 10th robot to a SWAT team. And so it's just the level of sophistication has arisen with some industries and some, but it's very isolated. And then the other fun part is who is the robot person at every company? You know, construction companies are now starting to have this thing called construction technologists. That's kind of this bridge between IT and operations and finance and their job generally make the place more efficient, safer, things like that. Um, but that's really on the big companies. Little companies don't have that. So it's robots isn't ideal, doesn't fit in necessarily just the pure IT. It generally is somebody in operations or somebody just as tech savvy. Kind of like we saw back in the 90s where the person who's good at Excel or could fix a computer is now the IT guy. It's kind of the same thing in robots. Oh, you're tech savvy and you're on a police department. You're now the robot guy. Like it just, it, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, and, and <laughs> you're the closest person there that's got yes. that's a bit geeky on this stuff. You know? Yes. So if I, was a, if, if I was a customer or a client or a prospect, or a target, whatever you want to call me. What am I? I don't even know if I have pain, but do you have that conversation? Oh yeah, we totally do. And construction's a little different because there's such a shortage of labor. They're generally looking for something like just anything that will save them time, help them with uh, uh, any of the labor. But one of the issues I've seen in construction, in particular, is most of the construction technology out there is made in price for the large general contractors, but it needs to be used by the trades. And the trades can't afford it. So that's one of the things we're really focused on at Supercharge is how do we make robots accessible? So the one thing that's been holding back like this reality capture robot was the only one on the market was $150,000. Well, it's a $20,000 use case. So before we even started building our robot, we knew we've got to hit a $20,000 price point just or lower. So yeah, our first model out was 17000 because we knew that was the price point. That came down to you know talking to people in the industry and knowing, coming from an engineering construction background, we knew that industry well enough and could talk to people about that and we're continuing to do that how, did, how did you people. drive down that cost um one we build all our robots ourselves and uh, you know it's and it's there's kind of two sides of robots there's some that are very task specific so this robot is built for this task and there's those are more platforms that are built for everything so like the famous dog that we see you know on the news and things like that that's a platform and it can be used for everything and it's overkill and that is the only application right now for reality capture on a job site the one thing it can do that my robot can't is climb stairs. But most of my customers that we're talking to is, you know, if instead of if you're comparing a $17,000 robot to $150,000, they're like, I'll bring it upstairs myself. You know, it's, and we are working on that solution too. Um, it won't be 17,000, but it, it's still trying to find a more affordable solution. Like our, the whole thing is how do we find, except, you know, this budget friendly thing that we can make some money and survive, but still get more robots out there because too many of the robots that are on the market now or about to be on the market are just overpriced for what people need. Yeah. And, and, and I'll be, I'll be clear. So yeah. putting money back in my pocket, I have a cost. Is it putting money yeah. back in my pocket? Is it, and, and me being a, in a, an industrial maintenance yeah. owner at one point in time, safety was everything, uh -huh. everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. If I didn't have to have headaches or yeah. scare, you know, somebody hurting themselves, that yeah, that and that has its value. And a lot of times, safety is our entry point. Like manufacturing and um, construction, we a lot of times we'll get brought in by safety. Like we've got one manufacturer that we worked with; they had a um, pallet chipper essentially, it would just shred these giant wood pallets. Well, somebody had to go underneath the machinery every once in a while and clean it. 
So we just devised like essentially a broom on a robot to go. Somebody can remote control. We're not replacing a job. We just now have somebody not go under this giant shredder that they got to duck under the whole time. And they're basically on their hands and knees with a dustpan and a small broom. We now have the robot get all the stuff out and then they can vacuum it up. I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal. I think the robot was less than 20 grand, but that probably easily dropped their insurance rates 20 grand a year as well. Yeah. See, that's, that's a great yeah. connection. The insurance yeah. side. Yeah. Because yeah, insurance companies are looking to drive down that risk too. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and we did a great case study with uh, Newport Steel. You know, yeah. They've got a huge furnace underneath their, in a flue that runs underneath their, um, their, their steel mill. And they shut down for six weeks every, I think, five, five or six years. And they, they need to inspect that flue to see, okay, do we need to tear up the entire plant to replace it? So they stick one of our actually crawl space robots in there and they can drive around and stuff. And before that, they'd have to have a human do it. And this flue is about 200 linear feet with multiple turns and it's 20 inches by 30 inches. And, and it's, you're, it's you black. have to wait for that thing to cool down so that at right. least, you right. know, right. that's time. Yeah. Now you can so, sort of create, uh, use a bot in a way right. in that use case. Yeah. Okay. It's down to whatever it, it gets yeah. to it. Yeah. Well, and it, it's so much safer, but also it gives them that video documentation is the other thing is, you know, if a human's yeah. down there, they might be able to note, okay, at 20 feet, there's an issue here and they'll take a picture. But now they're getting every inch of that flue yeah. is now documented in HD. So it's now that next time they go do a shutdown, they can compare, okay, what did it look like five years ago to today? And now they're building that baseline. So, and so it's, take it's amazing us, those little things like that. Take us through, um, sort of the process of you going on site and what what do you what what are some of the drivers what are you looking at it's actually generally customers come to us um either oh. they've found a need and they found us we, we've been around for so long we've been great in the google rankings uh we do have a team that will call people in general will call safety or operations and kind of ask some of the pains that they're having and see if there's some solutions and we just kind of collaborate um we try to get out to as many shows as we can but that's actually one of the changes we've added since the acquisition a year ago was building out a salesperson team, which we have our first salesperson in 20 years and trying to do trade shows just because it is such a demonstrable product that oh. people want to see it. And one of the things we've also seen is yeah. some of our competitors have kind of left a bad taste in people's mouths. We've literally had some police um, sheriffs and police um, chiefs like, I'm never buying a robot off the internet again because the last one we got was flimsy or didn't work, broke in a few weeks. They like, they sort of, particularly in police, when we go do a show with them or we do demos, they're like, they would literally, like, can we kick it? Can we throw it off a three story building? I'm like, you kick it, throw it off the building once. You know, it just, um, yeah, with it, just, with it, you can stay, it's, I mean, come yeah, on. You're an industrial guy. I think the SWAT team members that we talk to are kind of the, the epitome of that macho, you know, attitude on things. And it's just, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's intense when you're around them and they just, they, they want to break stuff. Uh, we're like, like now, guys, this is a demo. We we need it for the next team too. So it's yeah. It's our, so if you yeah. want if you want something indestructible, well, it's, it's yeah. just FYI. There's a cost associated with correct. That. And our I mean you our robots are built tough, but you know these guys want to push it to its limits in every demo. Yeah, and it makes it 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 does take a ticking after a while. We've got to once I'll bring the robot the demo robot back to the shop and just do you know tighten some screws and do other things. But it's still you know a sound machine, but it's. It, it's interesting is it's such a demonstration, but we just can't be everywhere. It's like we've actually priced the other. Okay, okay, if we did a road show, year round road show, who could we hit? How many things would we get? What would it cost? And it's hard. Uh, 
So we, we're trying to get more, con- we get strategic with conferences and no, uh, but still oh, yeah. we, we need a field team to really cover the bases. And it, it's got that dazzle and splash. Yeah. If you, you're at a conference and people are eyeballing it, yeah. it, it, uh, it has an yeah. impact. Yeah. But we, we also then are trying to, how do you get past the splash and get the people that are actually serious about making it work? Cause that's, so right now we're kind of a real big push. You go to our website, it's robots that work. You know, we kind of jokingly say is our robots don't dance. They work. Uh, we don't get the, the we're on, on the news for dancing robots because our robots are behind the scenes actually doing all the work. And that's kind of this, this edge to us. We don't have the prettiest robots. Um, we've had very industrial looking sound robots. You know, it's, they're not made of plastic they're made of steel and or aluminum and you know, that they're built to last. Um, and so it's, just, it's interesting to see kind of the, how the industry has evolved and, what customers looking for. I said, you know, we have very tech savvy customers that have a few robots and they kind of know what they want, what they don't want. And you have others that just anything awes them. And almost a point where it overwhelmed. We have, you've had a few calls with people. We just overwhelmed them. Yeah. And, but, but again, per your, your statement, you, you work yeah. with them. You're saying, Hey, yeah, totally. I'm, I'm on the horn. I, somebody says I need to think about yeah. or consider getting a robot for my process, yeah. whatever it might be. Yeah. And then you're not just going to say, here's one off the shelf. Go for it. Correct. You're going to have to. So there's a customization that goes on, yeah. right? Yeah. And we're one of the few robotic companies that will even do custom robots. That's really where we built our name over the years. Yeah. How we built so many models was they were all essentially custom models that we then either standardized or just the client had a single use. They weren't going to become like a robotics company. We've, we've built robots for people's proof of concepts. And they've gone on to be robotic companies as well, or we do some OEM work for companies. But you know, a lot of our stuff is it's a single use for a company and they, they get the robot, they're good. And we can then resell it to some, someone else for a different use. And it, that's really interesting to me is, is the diversity of the same robot. Like that robot we put in Newport Steel was our crawl space robot. But in their world, they call it a confined space robot. It's the same robot. You know, it's a compact robot that fits in that hole. Uh, so it's it's interesting to see that. And, you know, we're trying to constantly use the same robots we use at police departments we have in nuclear facilities because it has an arm on it that can open doors and pull gauges and things like that. So. Uh, it's it's very interesting and it's very challenging in the market to sell that sometimes. And, you know, it, you definitely have to start with what is the pain, where the process. And we have yeah. customers that or prospects that are starting to get overwhelmed. Because, okay, what are the early wins? What can we do to just show people that this is a this is doable? And then from there we can get bigger, more sophisticated things like that. You know, it's uh, it, sometimes it is just as simple as it's they're one of those crawl space robots, especially in manufacturing. They generally have to go under places and under machinery and things. Yeah. It's a cheap robot. They could try and just see, oh, we can do this. We had... Where do you see it going? I mean, what, what put your future hat on? Um, yeah. Where do you see the trends happening within, within the world well, of robotics? I think much like we see people... You look back to the computer and then the internet and then the smartphones. There's yeah. a lot of similarities to this. And even going back to industrial age, you know, there's this fear of robots are taking people's jobs. And, you know, my, my sales guy, Patrick, and I were really kind of like, well, yeah, we do. We want all your nasty, dirty jobs that are unsafe. Like, let's stop having humans do unsafe jobs because we think they're the only ones that can do this. And let the robots handle that kind of stuff. You know, the, they're just the poop scooping jobs. You know, they're just right, they, the whole right. mic, essentially take Mike Rose's dirty jobs. That's where a lot of stuff that humans shouldn't be doing, but they're the only way to do it in the past. So let's let robots handle that or some capacity of that. 
But much like we now have more cell, you know, there's more cell phones and people in the world, there's eventually going to be more robots than cell phones in the world very soon. Like in the next five years, we'll probably cross that. And, you know, we're not going to live in the Jetsons world. And I think that's sometimes the, the challenges and people want a Rosie from the Jetsons that does everything, you know, under Inspector Gadget that does everything. And one of the kind of jokingly call that the foot wide Swiss Army knife. It, it has everything, but it doesn't fit in your pocket. And that's the core criteria is it fits in your pocket. You know, and that's where we're trying to find that blend of the task-specific robot and then the platforms. The platforms are very general, but they have you know, more software-based tasks is where they're assigned. You know, if you have a humanoid robot, it's taught how to swing a hammer. You don't have a hammer swinging robot. You know, it's yeah, it's, it's happening. Oh, totally. I, I went to Sam's Club over here in in yeah. Mandeville, and they got some robot sweeping. Yeah. The whole, just around there. And of course, yeah. me being who I am, I decided that I'm going to jump in front of it. And it got out of my way. Yep. No, it's those are and those are tasks that it can do in the middle of the night when no one's working. Yeah. You know, or Walmart like, was yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of surprising they banned it, but they had one that robot that was going in that would scan the shelves and tell the people um, what they needed to stock the next day. Yeah. They just run at night, run, you know, the midnight shift, the graveyard shift. And it was just a long, tall robot that had this like laser beam. And it would tell them what products were in the wrong area, like somebody, you know, wow. dropped, you know, uh, yeah, and then what what was the holes? And it would tell them, you know, because otherwise you need someone to go around and look at every shelf of the store and figure out, okay, let me go pull this in the back. And that's it's boring job. That's you know? that's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's there's a lot of it's you, robots. Kind of this isn't exclusive to Super Drive. Robots are generally used for they call it the three Ds. Dirty, dangerous, and dull. And we're starting to add as we get more popular with the telerobotic or telepresence is the distance. You know, could you have a robot at like a data center, an oil rig that can help do a job that somebody doesn't need to do full time? Like, say you're an IT guy. Right now, if you're an IT guy, you work in the oil you got to be on the rig because you need to have hands on in case something happens. Okay, but if you had a human or robot that could do what you can do with you operating it, you could log on to it, operate the robot, put it back in its closet, log off and go to the next rig, log on, and just you can have one person working on their house um, do that. And what's, what's interesting, too, is besides that distance thing, and because it's a lot of money to get somebody out on an oil rig, but now you could have somebody potentially work from home in a wheelchair, that the job they could never have before. They just oh. have like, there's a whole accessibility thing Boom. for people. Because if you look at, like, because we started exploring that. Oh. If you look at, like, the top 10 jobs for, you know, people in wheelchairs, they're almost all require college degrees, if not masters or phds well not everybody with a wheelchair has the, the brain capacity or the wow. money to get a college degree so could we put these people to work See, and, like and give them a robot you know little avatar style like the blue avatar um you know that you're wow. in this other portal but you're still you're kind of like operating a computer that's a bomb that's that's, I think that's cool that with a lot of things yeah it's, you know wow. it, it should open up doors for a lot of people but there's a lot of tasks that you've seen in industrial work, and yeah. You've seen construction and oil and gas, and yeah, yeah. nasty yeah. jobs. Like, why can't we put a human there? And just yeah. it's safer. You know, one Very of the biggest requests we get is tank cleaning, industrial tank cleaning. Is yes. Inside. So that's something that's like almost everyone's trying to figure out how do you safely do it? Because every year a few people die of something going on, and you know, a tank blowing up on them. So it's oh yeah, those yeah, are things I, that. I, I saw it at a at a show, uh, a magnetic robot magnet stuck mm -hmm. on the side of a steel plate, 
which is yep. representative of a yep. of a uh, tank, and it's sandblasting. Yep. Yeah. Like, there's all there's just there's all kinds of things like that that are just really horrible jobs for humans, but we've never had a different way to do it. Yeah, you know, when they built some of these things, they weren't thinking of how do we maintain them, how do we clean them. Yeah, freaking dead sexy. I love that, man. That's a cool <laughs> stuff. Well, Perrin, we have to wrap it up. How do yeah. we get a hold of you? How does somebody uh, say, I like what he's talking about. I want to get a hold of him. <laughs> if you want me personally, the best place to find me is on LinkedIn. Um, if you spell my name right, it's pretty easy to find me. Uh, and then find SuperDroid. It's just SuperDroidRobots.com. And we're pretty much on all the socials, uh, okay. especially YouTube and LinkedIn and uh, Facebook are our biggest ones. <laughs> Very yeah. cool. I enjoyed that. And now I'm not going to talk about the social, the the reluctance of individuals thinking that the robots are going to take their job. So I'm not going down that road right now. Nope. No, we totally believe they will take the jobs that they don't want. So. Yeah, that's see, there it is. There's there's, the there's a lot of we, we've got facts to prove it. We're actually working on a white paper on you know kind of pulling all these facts together on that because it is a a sales objection that's valid. And at first, once people do the research. Oh, okay. This isn't taking our jobs. Yeah, you know, it's you know, it's it's actually keeping us alive. It, yeah, it's really what we want them to look at. So, woohoo! Yeah, very cool. All right, listeners, we're going to have all the contact information for parent and the right spelling for first name, so you will not. And his LinkedIn link. Yeah, you'll have his stat card available as well as the the website to uh, Super Droids Robots. That's pretty cool. Yeah. No, Super Droid. Not there's no yeah, S no. in that. No all S. Other robots, not the Disregard the S. Super droid robot. Just still find us. Yeah, there you go. It's all out there. We're going to have it out on Industrial Talk. Perrin, you were absolutely wonderful. I enjoyed it. All right, listeners, don't go away. We will be right back. You're listening to the Industrial Talk Podcast Network. It's happening. Whether you like it or not, and it's been happening, robots will be handling situations that are mundane more mundane improve safety you don't have to stick people into dangerous situations because robots can handle and do the work that we normally did in the past and so you're not going to be able to well i can't say that i'm not going to put any limits on robots because i think that uh, industry is full of creative individuals sharp just solutions oriented that's what i think so don't be surprised when robots are are doing a lot more too as well all right all his contact information parents contact information will be out on industrial talk so reach out to him you will not be disappointed get engaged at industrial talk it's the ecosystem that you need to be a part of amplify your voice you need it we want you to succeed we just do be bold be brave dare greatly we're going to have another great conversation shortly so stay tuned